Welcome to the Spiritual Side of Art, the podcast. A podcast where we delve into the beauty of Islamic art, an art concept that combines both creativity and spirituality. I'm your host Hayat, founder of Safira.com, the online marketplace for Muslim creatives and art lovers. Today, I'm happy to have Nadia with me, who will give us some insights into her personal journey with Islamic art and also share why it is important to stimulate creativity among children. Nadia is a Maryland-based artist and is known for her mesmerizing and colorful fluid art. She's married and a mother of two. Her full-time art practice called Nadia J Art started in 2011 after she joined the Maryland group Muslim Women in the Arts as a coordinator. That is where she found out the importance of art in her life and since then she has been spreading this love for art and the importance of creativity through classes, workshops and exhibitions both nationally and internationally. Welcome, Nadia. Thank you for joining us and being willing to share more about your journey as a Muslim artist. We are very happy to have you over. Can you tell us a bit more about yourself? Yes, absolutely. And thank you, Hayat. I'm so happy to be here online with you. And it's so nice to meet you in this way. And I'm excited to share more about my experience with uh, with you and other listeners. Um, and. As you mentioned, my name is Nadia, and I was actually born and raised in a very small mountainous town of Western Maryland on the East Coast of the United States. My parents are originally from Pakistan and Kashmir, but my almost all of my siblings and I were born in Western Maryland. And I currently live in another part of Maryland now, closer to Washington, D.C., with my husband and my two young children. And my background is actually in architecture. It's in sciences and math and I transitioned to art full-time in 2011, um, as you had mentioned earlier, but really I had been making art my whole life. Um, and I guess my first exhibit experience was while I was in architecture school. And I started, you know, I was surrounded by non-Muslims and it was the time of 9-11. And I was lucky to be surrounded by an academic environment where people were truly curious about Islam and Muslims and my my classmates, you know, encouraged me to, to share my artwork and to tell, to teach them about it. And that kind of blossomed into, you know, I, I wasn't used to ever being in front of crowds, but talking about my artwork in front of crowds was something that I felt very, you know, drawn towards. And so, and being in an environment where I was so supported and nurtured, even though it wasn't uh, Muslims was, you know, it was a very unique experience. And anyway, that kind of kickstarted my exhibiting career. And from there, I, you know, started, uh, I would post online and people became more familiar with my name. And, you know, there weren't a lot of uh, artists, Muslim artists, especially not female Muslim artists. I was approached with many opportunities, alhamdulillah. And one of the most momentous ones was when I went to Malaysia. And we, you know, it was through this really, really amazing organization. They're called World Islamic Economic Forum. And they actually are a group of young individuals. It's a nonprofit group. And they basically posit that, you know, your economy will flourish if you support the arts and if, if you support creativity in your young professionals, in their corporate careers, whatever you have, you know, whether it's to support them being in the arts or whether it's just to expose them to the arts. And so because of that experience where in Malaysia, 
you know, artists were treated like celebrities. And we were, you know, we would be walking on the street and we would be asked for our autographs and pictures. And it was really hilarious because back home, we did not experience that at all. And back home, you have to ask people to pay you and, you know, not to be doing things for free. And in Malaysia, it was very eye-opening because we also got to see that wow this is you know when you're valued as an artist truly this is what the experience can be like in any way when i when i came back home then that was in 2010 i my my adventures had caught the attention of the founder of this amazing group of lovely women called muslim women in the arts they're based in maryland i had exhibited a few times with them previously it's an exhibit that was put on every year by a group of hobbyists. They were not professionals. They just were women who had, um, you know, who made art on the side. Your participation was you would submit artwork and it would it was juried. They would make sure that it fit their, you know, kind of like the guidelines that they had and you would exhibit. So anyway, the founder was an older lady who was looking to basically retire and she asked me to take on uh, being the coordinator of this group. It was an amazing, amazing experience, not only because of these 15 other women who I met and who are still friends with me today. And some of them are now, you know, they actually are doing their art professionally. That's what they do full time. But we all bonded over a theme that we explored. It was, I called it healing and empowerment. But what we did was we explored um, incidents of trauma, whether it was personal incidents or, or whether it was ones that we have read about where other women experience emotional abuse or physical abuse or, you know, substance abuse, sexual abuse or abuse from being having been a refugee and living in war torn areas. And in the process, you know, we all were able to find a sort of um, communal healing. And I and I you know, it was, I had never experienced anything like that before. I had never worked so closely with other Muslim women before. So this exhibit became a traveling exhibit. And at the end of this year that I was this, you know, was a coordinator for this group, I realized that as much reward and fulfillment I got from the experience, there was a huge, huge void that I felt because I wasn't making art. I was coordinating and managing and leading and, you know, talking at the meetings. And I, I was not someone who was used to doing that. I prefer sitting and observing and sketching and writing and journaling and reflecting. And I think that that part of me, when it's not awakened in whatever work I'm doing, then I don't feel like I, I'm the best version of myself. And honestly, that's what propelled me into doing art full time. It turned into, you know, let me just take a hiatus with architecture and let's see what happens if I do focus on art full time. And, you know, that was 2011 and I just never, it never stopped since then. You never looked I back. I never looked back, exactly. <laughs> Mashallah. So really artists, you would say like it's an essential part of you yes. as a as a being. Yes. Um, so that's wonderful. And it's yeah. also nice to see that you have this purpose, but you're also using it to also help others in this instance mm. with the traumatic experiences with the other women, of course, of the within the group. So would you say, you, I think you mentioned that you started very young as an artist. I did, yes. Did you see yourself in, as an artist or did that happen later on? What is the trigger point that you identified really as an as an artist? 
I there there were a few points in my life I would say that I always identified myself as an artist and even my family around me like now when I think back even small things like someone had to wrap a gift for a birthday party and they they would say oh go ask Nadia to do it she does it really neatly or you know someone needs help with their homework and they needed a drawing component to it go ask Nadia she's an artist so I you know I never thought about that before until answering your question that there was that rhetoric around me that oh, Nadia's creative, Nadia's an artist. And, and you know, now when I look at it, it, it's so important to have that that verbiage around you. Just even, you know, telling your child, uh, you're doing a great job and you're making a great effort and having that positive reinforcement. And I didn't, I don't think I saw it like that before, but it's so interesting. People ask me the question, do you ever have imposter syndrome? And I always tell them like, no, I mean, I, I have doubts in other parts of my life and in parts of my art career, but I've never felt like an imposter. And I think that's part, partly that's why, because I just, I always did it regardless of whether I was pursuing medicine or if I was pursuing architecture and the people around me recognized me, you know, as being a creative individual, whether they called me an artist or just someone who was really particular to details or whatever it was but yeah when I was little um I was raised with my sister like we were raised like twins because we're very close in age and my father uh he would always you know make video recordings of us and we spent a lot of time with our extended family alhamdulillah they lived two hours away from us and every chance we got every weekend you know every school vacation we we spent a lot of time with them and so my father has all these videos and recordings and he would ask he would interview us and just ask us questions like you know what are you working on now and um can you tell us can you say the abcs and tell me what number can you count up to and so my sister you know she was like four and a half at the time is saying a b c d e f g and then he asked me to say the alphabet and i said red yellow blue and i'm coloring at the same time and it was so funny and so insightful because to me, that was the language in which I communicated. That was Mashallah. that was how, alhamdulillah, that's how I expressed myself. And even now, like there, the psychologists have studied color, and they will tell you that there are more um, colors that can describe emotions mm -hmm. than there are words. And so, it truly isn't a language. You know, when you're when you're feeling something and you don't know how to put a word to it, sometimes you can put a color to it. And in particular with children, you see that a lot. I, I definitely in cartoons see that, you as know, well. Even, oh yes, absolutely. I mean, even things like you know, I I give my children a lot of freedom and deciding what they want to wear, as silly as it may look, I think it's so reflective of your inner state. Sure. And and also just teaching them that that like, oh well if you're feeling down, you know, what, what can we change in our environment to help uplift us? And very often it will have to do with something of color. Like maybe we put a sheet down, you know, that's yellow and we start, uh, so we sit on it and we start reading a book on it or they change their shirt. They change the color, the color of their shirt changes and they change their clothes. It's, it's just uh, teaching them that small differences like that in color can actually affect your mood so much so very true. anyway i think i was naturally drawn to colors and that kind of um that's how i i expressed myself and fast forward that was it when i was like three to five years old i would, would always be coloring then i just became so heavily focused on academics i loved school so did my sister we were just we were nerds and we loved it and we just you know we would come home and we do our homework and we just we loved it like we were alhamdulillah very self-driven and motivated Mashallah. and so I, I didn't really do any formal art even in school i 
you know, I didn't take any art elective. I was just so focused on like, I have to, you know, do the best in algebra and mm. geometry and I have to get into the highest level. Well, geometry is kind of an art, right? Yeah, it, it is. And I, I, you know, at that time I didn't see it through that lens. And, and I always, people struggled with geometry so much. And I remember, you know, I didn't talk very much. And then I remember all these students coming up to, him, to me and asking like, well, how did you do this? And how did you do that? And I was so surprised because I had been used to kind of just, you know, I just sit and I do my work and I, I keep quiet and I keep to myself. And it was really interesting now when I look back because it's such a visual form of math. You know, it's so visual that that's why it was, that's why I was able to thrive in it. But um, when I turned 16, I was literally just flipping the channels on, on TV and I came across a public uh, broadcasting station and it was the Bob Ross show. Are you familiar oh, with yes. the Bob Ross show? Amazing of course, show. Okay. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And so I, you know, discovered Bob Ross and honestly, my life was forever changed. And it was so interesting. I never told anyone that I would, so I saw this show and it was so, um, you know, hypnotizing. Like you couldn't, you can't stop watching it. Because... I wanted, I wanted to say calming, like almost <laughs> yeah. like you're doing some meditation or something. <laughs> yes, because his, his, oh my goodness, his whole attitude, his voice, mm, and yes. it, it's so lovely how optimistic he is um, in his painting, and he makes it look so effortless, right? He makes it exactly. look so easy. So I remember, like the first time that I, uh, we we would work at my father's office, uh, you know, anytime we had a break, and he would pay us, and that was, you know, alhamdulillah, our first experience of earning money. And I remember the first thing that I spent money on when i was 16 was uh buying oil paints and i i would record this show um i would record the bob ross show and at nighttime when everyone was sleeping that's when i would take out all the paints the easel um, and i had you know just play pause play pause following his steps and I, and i wouldn't show anyone what i made because i was you know i was just like it was i was not necessarily embarrassed but it was so uh it required a lot of vulnerability for me to have have done that and i never done that before so eventually after my fifth or sixth painting i showed my parents and they responded like so positively and it was amazing and so i felt really encouraged and then you know i did oil painting for gosh maybe 15 years after that on and off not like consistently i mean i had went to college went to grad school so you know there were months where i wouldn't paint but basically because of Bob Ross, that's, that was my first medium that I was introduced to. So one of your specialties is uh, fluid art, and you mentioned about loving to beautify things. So is fluid art also a way for you to beautify um, things around you, or is there another reason why you chose that art? And maybe if you can also shortly um, explain what fluid mm. art is for the people that don't know about it. Absolutely. So fluid art is a type of painting where you're not using a paintbrush to apply paint to a canvas, but you're actually pouring paint into a cup and then pouring it onto the canvas. And there's many, many techniques to do that. Um, the most, you know, the most traditional way is you pour paint in a, in a cup and you put your canvas actually on top of the cup and you flip it. You let the paint come down, you pick up the cup, and it's just absolute magic. It really is so beautiful. And, and yes, that's a great question. I, I definitely uh, do see fluid art as a way of beautifying everything. The way that I got started with fluid art, however, was not um, to actually beautify. It was to get me out of this really difficult place that I had been in 
after my son was born and after my son was born, mm-hmm. he, you know, my first child, I had a really hard time figuring out how am I going to make art again? How am I going to be active again? Because it was so wonderful and, and blissful in so many ways to, you know, to be a mother, but it was so consuming. And I, I became a mother at 37. I was 37 or 38. So, you know, I was, I was older and I had, alhamdulillah, lived this life where I had the luxury to daydream, to paint whenever I want, to stay up as, as late as I want, to travel wherever, you know, everything changed, which was a huge, huge, had a huge, huge impact on my art. So anyway, when my son was born, the thing that I did, you know, I never made it into my studio. It became like a dumping ground of sorts where I would just put everything storage in there and I never painted, but I would watch videos of fluid art. And that was a time, this was winter of 2017, that fluid art became very popular. Everywhere you looked on Instagram, people were posting videos. And it was so mesmerizing. I had never seen anything like it before. And I, for a year, a little bit more than a year, I would just like bookmark videos, make a list of supplies. I never really had a clear intention that I was going to do it, but I knew that I loved it. And I, I loved, uh, I knew I wanted to just maybe explore it at some point. And then in 2018, I, I made my first fluid art painting and I fell in love with it. And you will hear that from any fluid artist that they tried it one time and they fell in love with it and they couldn't stop because it is so, it's such an addictive form of art. And whether you're a child, I mean, I see it in my six-year-old students. I see it in my 40-plus-year-old students. Just, you know, can we do one more canvas? Can we do another one and another <laughs> one? Because it is it is so magical and it's so it's so beautiful. And I think now I've been doing it now because subhanAllah 2020, you know, when COVID hit, I had a four-month-old daughter who, mashallah, is very, very different than my son in that she she is a very independent child. So it mashallah. was easy for me to find myself back in studio. Mashallah, tabarakallah. Like I, it was easy for me to get back into studio. So I started making art again. I mean, months, months. I mean, it, the COVID itself was traumatic. And it was, uh, what was the, the right word for me to use? It was just, I felt numb. Like it oh, was yes. unreal. A one, you know, one week went by. And I was like, oh my God, how are we going to do this? But anyway, like I, I found fluid art to be, something so conducive for me to, I guess, reflect the state of mind that I was in. And fluid art, Mm -hmm. it's very fleeting. It's very uncontrollable. There's something so beautiful about it. Even if it doesn't work out the way you want it to work, you find another way to make it beautiful. And I think that's what life was at that time, that my goodness, you know, what are we going to do? We can't even take the kids out. We can't see our family. Like, how are we going to deal with the situation? And it was so hard at first but you know like the whole globally how we adapted we made the best of it we as much as we could we made the best of it and fluid art was so perfect at that time and i i started painting at 16 i was 16 years old using oil paint which is the complete opposite of fluid art because it takes weeks and weeks and weeks to dry and it's so amazing when i think about you know what i was like as a 16 year old as opposed to now when I'm 40 plus and I have these two little kids and life is just so imp- unpredictable. And I think it's it's amazing that you can find an art medium as well that's so reflective you know, of your emotional state. And 
it could even show your personal development, right? That you're more maybe more accepting of the outcomes or you're not holding strong to it. And I think, yeah, fluid art is just visually, it's so strong if you think about it. And the message that it gives away Mm -hmm. is that, yeah, you're pouring a cup and you made sure that you had the right colors in it or uh, paint, but then you still don't know what the end result is, right? It's just you let gravity or the movements that you're making come up with whatever it's going to be. And that that is very powerful. Yeah, no, you you said it. You said it so correctly. I I couldn't agree more. I just, it reacts the way it reacts. And Mm -hmm. the question is, you know, how are you going to react to it now? (laughs) Yes. And so you said you started being interested in fluid art because it also helped you um, mentally. Um, yes. And and you also said in the beginning about mm-hmm. the Maryland group, uh, the Muslim woman mm-hmm. in arts, that it was really much about healing and mm-hmm. I think also empowerment and, and giving your past a specific place mm-hmm. in, in your life. Most of the time we don't link art with the power of healing or empowerment. Um, so how would you describe that that link for for yourself? Oh, wow. Well, um and I don't mean that you need to mention like something no, specific I, from you, but how does that actually work? I think it's so spiritual that it is it is hard to it's hard to articulate, but when you mm-hmm. go through this creative process, there's something there's something that happens internally, whether you connect to Allah, whether you connect to mm-hmm. your definition of God or spiritual power or anything, something outside of yourself, when you get that perspective that in itself is healing you know something as simple as like we're really upset about something and then we call our friend up talk to them on the phone about it and now we feel really relieved because we're because we get another perspective right Mm -hmm. well the creative process i feel like it automatically helps you do that because now you are tapping into something so pure and authentic in yourself that we we don't normally you know tap into that as deeply in our everyday mundane tasks that we do but when you make art and you come, especially with like a very clean, pure intention, you're able to connect so deeply to your own self. And when you connect your, to yourself, what comes out is something so pure and, and truthful and honest. And I think that, you know, unfortunately, that's rare. We're so busy and everything is so rushed that we don't connect to ourselves as much. And and again, like I, whether it's color pencil or watercolor, whatever it is, just the process of using your hands to apply color to a surface there is something and you have to do it to believe it you have to just experience it there's something about it it reduces your anxiety it it allows you to reconcile you know emotions or conflicts that you might be having it improves your overall well-being and if you don't feel convinced of it trust me just just do it do it and you and you will see and you know and as an aside if you do it expecting X, Y, Z result, it can be mm-hmm. very, and, and that a lot of people do, you know, a lot of people do come to me and say like, oh, well, I tried drawing and I, I was really bad at it, so I just quit. But but that approach, and this is something that I try to work on a lot with my students, is your approach to art is not about, you know, it, it's not that here, we're going to make this product and it needs to look exactly like this product. And I, I think sometimes with kids, they, they can't handle that abstraction they actually do need specific guidelines, but even with it within parameters, helping them, you know, understand that what they like is so important. What you like and what color you want to choose 
it's there's so much power in it i don't have to you know i shouldn't have to tell you what color to choose you you should you can feel empowered to um have your own opinions and i'm like i say this to my son all the time too like he you know he sees something that i do and then he wants to copy it and then i'll always encourage him like you know what well what color do you want to use and and what kind of lines do you want to make and and i think that that's empowering as a child it's empowering that oh my you know my opinion matters and my opinion can change sure. a drawing from from this to that and so i and you know again the healing part of it there's just something there's like alchemy i remember saying about a series of work that i did a few years ago that i feel like i took some traumatic experiences from my life and i twisted them and i turned them and i just bent them and i made them into beautiful experiences and that's like the transformative power of art that you can take you know depression or anxiety or a traumatic experience and the more you work through it in a creative way whether it is you know verbally expressing it um colorfully expressing it abstractly expressing it you will find healing in that because the moment that you acknowledge something now you're preparing yourself for then inshallah for letting it go you know, and and letting go is a huge thing kind of going back to what i was saying about some people starting art and saying like oh well i wasn't good at this i tried to make this drawing and i wanted it to look like xyz but it didn't look like it so i just gave up well the moment that you can remove that expectation is the moment that you will truly find that healing and that empowerment that's amazing I think it's very powerful. At the same time, it does require a lot of guidance um, because you can come across yeah. emotions that you maybe don't want to face um, or you don't know how to handle them. So I think, especially since like you're doing these workshops, so I think mm -hmm. it's it's a great thing that you are there for them and really kind of guide them. You probably did these in the past. I'm not sure if you're still doing these in the, the present. You know what, Hayat, it's a part of, every single thing that I do. Oh, okay. Yes. I teach a one hour class at my son's school and, um, you know, you'll have a student and, and she's such a brilliant student. And one day she said to me, um, please, Miss Nadia, can I start over? Can I have another sheet of paper? I want to start over. And for me, I usually I'm like, no, let's work with what you have. <laughs> yes. You know, let's see what we can do. But then finally she said, like the third time she asked me, she said, but the colors just don't bring me joy. And I said, oh my goodness, like, let me give you a new sheet. It was so beautiful and articulate what she said. And I was like, wait, I know how you feel. I know how you feel. So I'm gonna, I have one more sheet. I'm gonna let you start over. And she, you know, and the, this student, mashallah, she, she's so brilliant. But the moment that she makes something that's not perfect in her view, everything goes like her 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 face. She puts her head down. She stops working. It's mm -hmm. it's you know mental shutdown. And I I have had conversations with her main teacher about it, and only to say that you know their issues come up in every single thing that you do. Healing is an opportunity in every little thing or big thing that you do. You know, and I and I have students who they're timid and they're afraid of, you know, pouring. And so how do I do this and how do I be brave about it? I see every opportunity as an opportunity to help them learn how to be confident. And that is, you know, that is healing to me. That is that is empowerment. I guess also my way of teaching, you know, when people um, 
I don't know if you guys have this and you must have this in your culture as well. It's something called like a, a paint and sip night. These kinds of events are very popular in the States. And what happens is that the artist will make one painting and then they, he or she guides all the participants to make the same painting. So I get approached for events like that a lot. And I've always said that like, well, I don't do events like that. I don't do events where I bring a painting and I'm mm. going to tell you step by step how to make this same exact painting unless you know unless unless it's like a private art class where I'm teaching a specific technique or skill but I have been very uh particular about not doing that because my there's a lot of other artists who can teach you that but I feel like my strength is in it's it's more about finding your confidence and finding kind of waking up your your creativity your inner creativity through a process oriented workshop so in every one of my classes, you know, students will ask me, do you like this? Or do you like this color? And I'll always respond with, well, what, what do you like? Do you like it? What mm -hmm. do you think? It's never going to be no change this and make this red. And it's, it's so funny though, because my son is in my art class and I have a video where he's about to pour a color and I grabbed his wrist because <laughs> I want, I didn't want him to do that. And I, and I said to myself, Oh my goodness, I have some inner work to do because I'm never like that with my students. But you know, subhanAllah with your own kids, different, of course. your judgments yeah. come in. Yeah. And so it, that just happened recently. And I was like, Oh, I'm, I'm this, you know, like evolved artist and just whatever you do is beautiful and I'm always going to love it. And then I kind of had to reconcile like, Oh, I, I do. Of course, I have preferences and I have judgments, but I'm not the type of art teacher that's going to emphasize that this is wrong and this is right. And I think also the way mm -hmm. that you're doing your classes, it's not about art only because I'm, I've been listening to you right now and I'm yeah. like, these are actually life lessons. Like you're, you're, you're learning how to choose really deep inside what you want or to like stand for what you want to create and um, not doubting yourself. And these are really skills that you also need later on. Absolutely. It's such a beautiful insight. It's so nice for me to hear you say that. I, I This last Sunday at the event, before the, the, the art class started, I was supposed to have this artist talk and I had prepared this talk mm -hmm. for adults but it was mostly kids and and it was so funny because that that's and that's exactly what I talked about I said you know in fluid art you see something so beautiful but it's going to it can disappear mm -hmm. in a moment because that's what how fluid art is and I I was saying to them that you know it's like life like you 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 see something and you like it but within a moment your life can change or you know your toy can get lost or whatever it is and I, I was joking with them that there's other life lessons that you're going to learn in art that I don't know if you're going to understand right now, but that was the whole point of it, that it is. And I, I love that you notice that because I do see, you know, I see art as a way of life and my life is art. I mean, it, it you can choose for it to be something that you live in a very creative way. And I certainly, I mean, when I'm going through a hard time in my life, whether it's something, you know, something as simple as like, I, I just, you know, my child is... The older one is really fighting with the younger one and whatever I'm doing isn't working. And I, you know, I go to studio at nighttime, like late at night and I work through it. I'm working on a food art project or whatever it may be. The next morning I wake up and I feel like I have come to some kind of insight about, you know, this situation with my kids through that creative process. And subhanAllah, like it's, it's, um, it's almost like, you know, when you get a massage and they, they, uh, they yeah, get the knots yeah. out of your shoulders right and and the knots in your shoulders are from what like 
hours and weeks and days and months of tension and stress that's been built built up but somehow they're undoing and untying these knots and you're feeling relief in so many different parts of your life because of it and it's the same thing with art i mean i i i think it it helps it that's why it's so powerful it's one of the reasons why it's so powerful it helps you work through conflicts conflicts and reconcile emotions that you haven't confronted and it might not be so blatant or so uh like articulated in that way but if you're aware your intuition starts to pick up on it it starts to pick up on oh well if i just spend 10 minutes you know down in studio putting some paint uh using my brush and putting some paint across the canvas there's something that's going to be very healing about it and then and tomorrow morning when my son gives me a hard time i'm not going to yell at him because i'll have found this like inner balance and it's something you also need to go back continuously it's like a massage right it's absolutely not, that's something i do like i kind of wait until it's like too late and they're like yeah well it took a bit <laughs> too long for you to come back um if you do this regularly you had have oh, less yeah. problem and i think the same thing with art is because you're going deeper and yeah. deeper every time you're doing it and getting to know you yourself and the, the, your trigger points and um, the things that you need I to be love, aware of. I love that analogy. And then that is yeah. very beautiful. I love that analogy. Well, it's yours, so uh, no, credit to you. <laughs> I, I mean, no, but you just took it to, you know, you extended it to another level and that's very good. And, you know, and I don't, like, I'm not, able, I'm definitely not able to, to keep it, I guess the way that I keep it consistent is through teaching as well. But I, I don't find myself in mm -hmm. studio, you know, every week doing that but i think because being like a creative entrepreneur you wear so many hats you're doing so many things that are creative you're able to touch upon it but i definitely you know i don't want to give the impression that that i mean my my discipline as an artist comes from like it's motherhood first and whatever i can fit in mm -hmm. as efficiently as i can my you know life would be different if you're single or if you just if you have a lot of help with family to be honest even then you know you I would love to see myself more disciplined in art making in the future, inshallah, when I feel like my, you know, motherhood priorities are taken care of in a different way. I think it's fine. I think it's like, as long as you have something to go yeah, back to. I mean, you find what works. You, you find what works for you, for your situation. One of your purposes with with your art practice is also to stimulate um, creativity among children mm -hmm. and I think we already kind of defined that creativity is not only art making but it can be shown in different things can you explain maybe in your own words why specifically that purpose and why it's so close to you as an individual I guess first of all I think it's my way of creating something that I didn't have as a child and as a child growing up, I mean, I, I had the love of my entire family and especially my mother. And, and, you know, I was raised in a very, very loving environment. But I was a very quiet child. And I, I lived in a world that still exists where an extroverted, left-brained, logical person was championed. You know, not the quiet one who doesn't talk very much and is creative and intuitive. And I wasn't like that. I was the complete opposite of that. And so my accomplishments in school for example like i remember like i loved playing instruments and I, I played a variety of instruments from when i was nine years old to you know into my 20s i was always learning a new instrument and i remember being eight years old and the teacher the music teacher asked me 
you know, stand up and can you please read the notes on this page? And I said to him, I, I can't read them, but I can play them. And I played them perfectly. I played a clarinet at that time. And that, like, when I look back at that, that was me growing up. I was a visual learner and I wasn't raised in an environment like so many of us where visual learners were um, championed or even that teachers didn't know how to teach visual learners. It was the, you know, the people who knew how to memorize and take standardized tests and do really well on them. And if you didn't do well on these tests, then, you know, oh, maybe you weren't as intelligent. So I grew up not feeling very confident at all and not feeling like I had talent or that I didn't feel special at all. And I, you know, I felt very small and I felt unnoticed. And, you know, not to say, obviously I was, I was, and I was loved, but there was this inner part of me that just felt like, oh, well, I can't, you know, I can't do the things that my sister does, or I can't, I don't understand this thing. And, and my sister would have to explain it to me and she would draw charts and draw things for me. And then I would get it. That's very kind. And now, oh yeah. Oh my gosh. My, my sister, I mean, when it's so amazing when people meet her and she re they realize she's only a year and four months older than me, they're like, oh, we thought she was five years older than you. She just has this, mashallah, amazing presence. But she really raised me and she taught me and anything that I, I didn't understand, she would take the time to teach me. And, you know, when I look back at that, I'm like, oh, I wish I, if I knew what I knew now, if I had the confidence that I have now, I would have told myself that, oh, you're so beautiful and you're so special. And the way that you look at things is so special. It really was, you know, I, for me, it was, alhamdulillah, you know, and I say it with humility. It's not, I don't say it in an arrogant way. I think I say it more that I, I try my absolute hardest to see that in other kids, you know, and especially the kids who are quiet, who are more thoughtful, who don't necessarily raise their hand and they, they aren't, they aren't going to be the first ones to go and volunteer. I know because I was one of those children that they could be equally, if not more brilliant. So I try my absolute hardest to help children shine and to help them see, you know, how amazing they are in the arts of work that they can create, in taking a challenge and using a different medium that they've never used before. I break it down into, it's not, it's not about the paint that you put in canvas, but it's about the thought process that went into it. You were really afraid to do something and now you're not. And look how amazing you are that you did that. And so it, my, my desire to kind of, stimulate creativity in children it comes from the knowing firsthand the power that it can have and you know something that you had said before that it's something that will help you in your life regardless of what field you choose nurturing our children to express the creative side it's so imperative and i feel like it's it's part of their natural development to become thriving and balanced and even you know happy content individuals and and if in so many ways it's so little about the art and so much more about uh it's about the creativity it's about being able to use you know about being able to use both parts of your brain and and not just being like oh well can you explain to me why you're doing this and sometimes you can't i'm not always a logical person like i i don't always have a reason for what i'm doing but i know i feel it in my heart before i feel it in my brain or before i think it and i i've come to know when to trust it and when to kind of take a back seat and look at things more analytically and that's come from creativity that's come from being a creative person and and just following my intuition and failing and also succeeding and seeing okay well this is a path that i want to pursue or this is a path that maybe i want to i want to shelve it and look at it later 
Exactly. Actually, the first time I had the drawing classes, the first lesson was about right brain and the left brain. Like that was the whole lesson. So it was funny that you also just mentioned yeah. that. Completely brought me back to that moment. I, I I have a book actually. I don't know if you're familiar. It's called Drawing on the Drawing on the Left Side of the Brain. Have you heard of it by I, any chance? Maybe not. But I, I do think that maybe the teacher based that whole if lesson it's on possible, that. It's possible. Yeah. And I mean, and the, and the idea is like, look, you don't have to be born an artist. You can teach yourself and you can train yourself. Mm -hmm. Even if you're a very analytical, logical person, you can, you know, learn how to tap into that creative and intuitive part of yourself to make art. Exactly. So that's cool. And <laughs> yeah. um, are you, so you're giving workshops for children. Um, are those mostly Muslim yes. children or is it a mix? Currently, I think because my son just started going to a school this past September in 2021. And so that's opened me up to, you know, I'm kind of surrounded by Muslim community. In the past, when I first started teaching in 2013, I, I, mean, I just started teaching because I wasn't, uh, I wasn't earning enough money with the selling of the painting. So I thought, all right, let me just look up, you know, let me just look up some after school teaching companies. And that was, it was non-Muslim. Mm -hmm. And it was just simply like after school programs at schools, um, schools hire them to come and teach after school drawing for an hour. And that was the first time that I ever taught. And I remember just, I would look at the lesson plans and just be like, what, what, what is this? Like you, we tell them to draw a circle and then you have to color it this color and they have to make straight lines when they're coloring. And it was so against like everything that I felt Rigid. inside. Yeah. <laughs> and like, oh, you can't color outside the lines. And you know, I'm one of those, uh -oh. <laughs> yeah. Like, don't say that to me. I'm the wrong type of artist to, I, I, and you know, I think also being a creative person, you look for, I know that I do, I look for places where I can break mm -hmm. the rules. You know, I, and it's, and I'm not, I'm, I'm like a quietly rebellious person. I would say you might not think that about me meeting me, but I will say that it's my natural tendency to say, to just think like, okay, well, where, how can I do something different? How am I going to expand my mind and where can I break a rule? Because rules can be broken. I have a child who is very, very uh, strong headed and he, you know, he, he doesn't follow instructions. And I was never like that. I was so shy and I would never speak up. And, you know, I only kind of came into myself when I was older, but with him, it's so hard as a parent and a teacher that he has his own opinions. He wants to do his own thing all the time, but it's going to be great inshallah when he's an adult, you know, and, and, and a young adult True. and where he, he knows, I don't want him to think that he has to follow or not be able to think for himself. And that, that's something that i I feel like I was raised on that way. Maybe it wasn't taught to me, but I just naturally was like that. I would just kind of do whatever I was told. And it was only, again, when I started making art that I started like really questioning these things and, and expanding my own uh, thought processes. Mm -hmm. And I don't remember what your question was, so I apologize. No, no, I mean, you, you answered <laughs> it and then we went into something else and that's okay. completely fine, right? <laughs> I do I do wonder because currently you're kind of more in a Muslim surrounding, yes, right? Yes. Uh, which probably also means that you're a bit more in contact with the parents. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm right mm -hmm. um do you have an idea of how they perceive uh, their kids doing creative uh, activities like how is creativity perceived within the muslim community that, that you're in right now so let me tell you the the classes that i teach they're actually classes that the parents are choosing right to their kids ah, to so be, they are already, so already mm -hmm. yeah okay. so they are already advocates of the arts mm -hmm. and they are parents who have noticed you know a tendency in their child to be drawn to to arts and having said that i definitely have students who are 
you know, they have a very hard time following instructions. They, they never end up with an end product. It's always kind of, my son is like that too, actually. He'll just paint over everything. And it truly is about the process. And I remind myself of that too. Whereas I have other students who, you know, whatever they make, they try intentionally to make it beautiful. And so it, it's a different level of maturity. I mean, generally speaking, Hayat, I mean, I wish there were like five of me so that I could teach so much more because I am constantly, you know, telling people, I'm so sorry, I don't have the availability. And it's been like that for 10 plus years. It's definitely been like that where there, mashallah, there has been such an increased awareness of the importance of the arts, of the necessity for it within the Mm -hmm. Muslim community, then yeah, there's just not, there's not enough of it. And that's why like, you know, it's shocking to me, this event, I I keep mentioning it because it just happened and I've just never, I thought there would be maybe like 10 people who would sign up. There's almost 80 kids who signed up for the class. And it was unreal. (laughs) I know like, mashallah, mashallah. And it, what's so mashallah about it is that that's how much, parents want their kids to be in art classes that's how much they have understood and desire now and you know and I, I got after the class always parents are like oh please can you have one for adults or please can you have one for teenagers and then you know alhamdulillah alhamdulillah it's it's so positive the feedback is so positive I I have been fortunate that I have been you know if you think about it like I I teach in situations where people choose to be in my class now for four years I mean from 2015 to 2019 I did teach at a school, so art was a strong part of the curriculum, and it was at an Islamic school. So I, I would say, like, yeah, my the, my past six years, I've been teaching almost exclusively to Muslims. Not, I, I don't exclude anyone, but it just happens to be my environment. Alhamdulillah, it, it's it's a, it's very very encouraging, and it's so wonderful that Muslims have have kind of woken up to that. And 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 there's so many artists now. There's so many people who you know like have made businesses, sure, creative yes. businesses, so many women um, who have made creative businesses about about art, like designing cards that have Allah's names on them in the most beautiful way and that's their product and they're selling it. Um, you know, having like a company that makes Ramadan arts and crafts specifically like that, that's two examples out of hundreds mm-hmm. that I follow on Instagram. Like there's so much out there now. And, you know, I think there's also been a huge boom in, in homeschooling. And because of that, especially mothers like mothers who are educators also have been seeking you know okay how do I fulfill that creative component and what happened now is mashallah the creative component is not only in art it's in everything it's the way that they're teaching Arabic it's the way that they're teaching Islamic studies or prophet stories everything it becomes interdisciplinary so I'm so excited to be a part of this right now like globally I think Muslim community is 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 really just um Mm -hmm. yeah it's it's great to hear because you're a bit closer to the the mothers and the fathers Mm -hmm. and the children and it's it's great that you're actually Mm -hmm. saying that there is a change because sometimes we tend to think that our community really wants uh our children to just be i don't know uh, doctors engineers and uh, lawyers but you're actually saying that there is this change and I think that really is amazing and really is yeah, exciting yeah. for also the, the, the generations to come. Um, so that that is amazing. Yes. Do you, as because um, yeah. you're obviously also a parent and um, I guess you're also stimulating creativity in your own children. Um, do you have any tips for parents that also want to do that for themselves and not have them to necessarily follow a class uh, at school, but have some activities 
in-house or outside of the house that they can do with the children to right. really spark that creativity? Oh, definitely. I mean, I, yes, like I, I actually get this question so much. And the first thing that I always tell parents is, first of all, you know, have the resources and create the space for it and, and keep it simple, like a bin full of colored paper, a bin full of colored pencils and markers and crayons, like keep it simple to that and watercolor paints. And, you know, the best thing that you can do is, first of all, just to have those resources there because your kids are so naturally, especially for, from infant age, like they're so naturally drawn to yes. these materials. Like I remember when my son was one year old and I started putting him in the high chair, I would give him a piece of air dry clay, some plastic screws, a straw and buttons. And for the longest time, like he, you know, he would be poking things in and putting things in, taking them out. And he would be making these beautiful, strange looking sculptures, but he so naturally enjoyed it. And and I wasn't there telling him like, oh, you know, don't put that straw in there. Or, what is that? It looks so weird and whatever. I didn't do any of that. My role was to provide the materials and put it in front of him. And again, he, he might have been younger than one. Like at that age, you just get the stuff, get the art stuff and put it even as from like the dollar store. It doesn't even matter about the quality. The first thing is to, you know, provide them with the resources and to create a space for it. And if you don't have the space, like like I just mentioned, I mean, you know, I had him in the high chair so he couldn't run around with paints or anything yes. like that. I mean, it doesn't bother me too much, but I know a lot of parents will say to me, a lot of parents of the kids who are in my painting workshops will say like, oh, I feel so bad. I can't, you know, I don't let them paint at home. And I say to them, I understand them. Even as a painter, my kids on days when I'm, you know, I have a lot to do. I will say to them, you're not doing acrylics. You're going to do watercolor today. It's just going to be those simple watercolor trays because it is, it's, it's, it is a lot more work for us. And it does take a big heart to just be like, okay, you're going to make a mess and it's all right. We're going to, we're going to clean it up, you know, and adding that on to the, gazillion tasks that mothers have it, it's it can be a lot so anyway going back to what i was saying first step i would say is to get resources for them the second to create a space for it if it means putting plastic down on the floor or taping it to the walls so that they can have a place where they can express themselves and then i would say you know honor your child's work even if we don't understand what it is you know ask them questions and honor it by actually hanging it up anyone who's done this, just the smile on their faces and how much pride they feel from their artwork being hung up. And, you know, I have my children choose the artwork that they want to hang up and, and they hang it up and they feel very proud of it that this is my, you know, this is my art gallery. And they see that I hang up my artwork and I feel the same about my artwork. Like I feel proud of what I make. And even if it's like none of my artwork sold at this coffee shop that I had to exhibit, but Alhamdulillah, now I have it in my home and I'm happy to, I'm happy to hang it up because Alhamdulillah, I like looking at my artwork. Inshallah, it will sell maybe, who knows, but you know, I, I want them to see as well that there's so much joy that comes from looking at colors and looking at your artwork. And in terms of like, you know, now the weather, well, it's, inshallah, it's going to be spring here soon. It'll be warmer. When we go outside, like when I go outside for walks with my children, we we try to notice the beauty in nature. We try to notice patterns. We try to have a sensory experience. We look at, you know, smells and sounds and we touch texture and we look at how did Allah create the bark of a tree? Where is the art in that? And it's not hard to find. It's so easy to see. And I think when we, for example, like if I have him, pick up a rock and we'll bring it back to studio and then maybe we'll do some rock painting you know just kind of trying to have that connection that this is art that Allah creates 
outside and it's so beautiful why is it beautiful and just having those conversations with them and then actually using natural materials i mean that's something we love doing and there's so many examples online like literally if you just type in nature and art like the, there's so many especially homeschool educators who have come up with such beautiful projects of how to just engage your children creatively when you're outside as well but i would say don't overthink it it takes yeah, so little exactly. kids kids are you know they're just so naturally drawn and naturally curious and you will see that they'll feel the more you give it to them the more confident they're going to feel about it so let's say you know it's time for you to make dinner and you need the kids to be independent well pull out the materials put it in a space that you feel you know is safe and it's not going to get messy and it's not going to cause anxiety in you and mm-hmm. and let them have it whether and you know put an apron on them or put them in their high chair mm-hmm. but i i do i do feel you know like this last weekend uh i i i did meet some parents who told me like they're very afraid of letting their kids do anything and so the whole week i've actually been thinking of like making a tutorial for those parents who are especially anxious about it because to me it feels like like you're robbing them of something that's so important to their development and their upbringing by not allowing them especially to paint you know like painting is a whole another fluid sort of medium that just it it flows and the way that you can express yourself like my my daughter literally she squeals she's so excited when she paints <laughs> she squeals every time she puts you know puts paint on canvas and i i wish for every child to have access to something like that and so i my hope is to simplify it i mean i I have a studio and i don't care about messes as much and i mean i'm very picky about certain things but you know it's to me it's a small sacrifice to others it's not and so i think it's like another part of my work kind of being a therapist in some ways and and calming parents actually it's such an eye-opener because the the reason why i asked the question is because in my Mm -hmm. head how i had it is that it's quite a task um it really requires Mm. a lot of time and guidance but you just put it in such a easy way that i'm like oh wait that is like you said kids have a lot of creativity so just provide the resources allow for it and then things will go yeah, they, they don't need a lot of, exactly, they don't need a lot of guidance. And I think the hardest thing is for parents to kind of let go of, you know, they're not going to make adult art. You may not be able to hang up the artwork that they make because it just might not be very nice to look at, but that's <laughs> not the point. So so clarifying your intention of why you're doing it will help yeah. you, you know, detach from that because, you know, yeah, they don't need guidance, uh, as much guidance as they get older you know you do give them parameters you teach them techniques and exactly. but then yeah. you 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 go with it then and i you know in my life alhamdulillah i had um i didn't have mentors with art but i had really amazing mentors in architecture and i apprenticed with them and apprenticing to me being an apprentice is that you observe you you're not mm-hmm. told what to do and it, it is sometimes it's very it's very ambiguous it's very vague you feel confused at times but that's part of the journey of learning and and I am I see that in my students because I'm an abstract artist. Um, I see that sometimes it's hard for some students to grasp. Like right now, when I'm doing fluid art with six year olds, if I were to do it again, I would say a cutoff for seven year old. I would start with seven year old because the the abstractness of it, it's mentally it is a little bit hard with kids. My son, mm-hmm. I I he's been in five classes with me and he hasn't made a single fluid art painting yet. It gets scraped off. He rubs his hand all over. He's not. He's not ready for it yet, and that's yeah. okay because you know it, it. 
mentally for you to to find beauty in something and repeatedly like to do fluid art one time fine but some of the students are like oh we're gonna do it again and i say yes we're gonna do it again and it, it's really pushing it's really pushing their minds but you know th sometimes they do want a clear like oh let's draw a person a stick figure and this is going to be the sky and this is going to be the land and this is going to be the house and i see a lot of benefit in that as well i think for me it's mo more exciting to kind of to i guess allow them to to work mentally as well as as physically and and i'm finding in my experience i'm still learning you know when when can i do that and i think every child is different as well like i i can see with my son i could give him abstract concepts when he was very young with my daughter not so much she definitely loves painting she loves color but she wants something to do like she wants very clear things to do and so i i also learned so much in teaching children you know different things suit different people but at the exactly. end of the day it's so important to let them guide their own process don't let them feel abandoned i mean you're there you're there to encourage them you're there to praise them and you're there to guide them but guiding doesn't mean that you take their hand and you draw you know on their paper for them i think this is very helpful yes i think a lot of uh, i'm not even a parent and i think this is like <laughs> already thinking for future like, this inshallah is <laughs> inshallah yeah um and I, I think also like what you said is it's um it's 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 a progress right they they might like something when they're younger and they might hate it when they're yeah. a bit older and so, so it's it's really a process yeah. Um, so now we're zooming into the practical side of making art um, and this section is really uh, specific for the artists that are listening and want to get some inspiration from you as a fellow artist. So if you could describe your the journey that you take on when, when making a painting. So really from mm -hmm. the, the very beginning, which is sometimes an idea or an intention, up to the end yes. result. How would you describe that for yourself? So it does start, you know, as you said, it does start with an intention. And I think sometimes I'll be, well, the inspiration will come to me, whether it's something that I'm inspired by on a walk, you know, with my kids or mm -hmm. a comment that someone makes on Instagram account, like it'll be a beautiful moment that happens and inspiration kind of strikes. And, or, you know, I know that when we started quarantine, for example, like we were a few months into quarantine and I found myself saying a lot of, of little du'as almost like just you know whispers that i would say to myself between myself and allah to comfort me and make myself feel uh, calm and less anxious about this very uncertain situation we were in so i had this idea like oh why don't i make these small paintings in scale they would be small and the du'as written on them would be small not like larger calligraphy because the idea of just seeking these quiet moments of peace amidst this very you know uncertain global condition that we were all in yes. so that you know that inspiration came out of an unfortunate situation but basically it, i would have the inspiration and then just kind of giving time for that idea to 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 process and refine the idea and for me now as a mother that looks like to normally that would be like okay i'm sketching and I'm sketching ideas and I'm writing my thoughts out. Maybe I'm even doing a few mock-up paintings of it. But now for me that it's more like 
it's midnight and I have my phone and I have my notepad and I'm writing down, I'm trying to like express <laughs> in words visually what I'm, what I'm seeing. So mm -hmm. basically refining that inspiration and that idea. And then, um, then I try to prepare my work area. You know, I figure out, am I going to use something very fluid for this project? Does that go along with the theme or do I want to use heavy texture and impasto type techniques? So I kind of, prepare the tools the setup um it, for me i'm constantly you know it's the studio is like it becomes a dumping ground then it's like new project i have to clean everything up again and so and that's actually i it gets frustrating you know i say to myself like why do i do this every time but i think uh, it's become my process now because in the process of cleaning up it you're actually kind of removing all of these I want to say almost like toxins or all of these, you're filtering out these things ah, yes. from your, from your mind and mm -hmm. now clearing space for this new inspiration to come. So, so definitely after I've processed the idea, I prepare my workspace and, and then it's a process of creating. I am for me, creation of artwork. It actually doesn't take very long. I find that I spend a lot more time, even more than 50%. I'll spend time on, you know, the idea itself, the concept and then the actual output, um, it can be quick. Yeah, I would say that it depends on the medium, of course. And then after creating is reflection. And that's when, you know, I will reflect on, you kind of sit back and you look at it and do, you, do I want to add color? Or maybe I want to try something different. And at times you really have to have an open mind and say like, okay, this, you know, this isn't working, let's try it again. And so you go through the whole cycle again from kind oh, of okay. yes. idea and, you know, just the inspiration and processing it because you can have an idea and it turns out differently. In most cases, I feel for me, it, it'll turn out different, but there's something very insightful in the way that it's turned out. And I, I, I go with it because I, I see it as a reflection of my inner state. I see it as something that's truthful and authentic. And I don't want to necessarily, you know, uh, hide that or or reshape it and unless there's some other purpose for me in, in, in doing that. But it's nice. I mean, this last exhibit I did, I didn't have time for reflection at all. I literally had five days to kind of start and, and wrap up um, a series of, uh, what was it, five paintings and now wow, like two months later, it, it, oh my gosh. And I've never, I've never done that. I also didn't have pictures of what the space looked at. I, I don't know why I do things like this sometimes, but it's just, it's because it's so, there's, there's something so exciting. Yeah. Exactly. I was just going to say, there's something so appealing to me about the challenge. And Alhamdulillah, I, you know, I, I did it. And I think I'm definitely someone who works under pressure and like, I, I will, you know, that's why I do this to myself sometimes, because I know that when I'm, when I'm kind of under that pressure and pushed to the edge, then then some kind of breakthrough happens or some kind of inspiration. That it that gets very hard to sustain. That's not my ideal situation, but I will say that some really beautiful things have come from those situations. So anyway, but I you know two months later I've gotten my paintings back and and one I keep looking at one and something is really off about it and I'm like oh I I need to I need to add some orange there's too much white in it and subhanallah if I had usually that's a process that I do in my studio that I will reflect on it and you know you come back to it the next the next day I do my painting at nighttime so to come back to it during daylight hours where there's natural light you definitely see a lot of different things and you do change and tweak things so ideally you have that time um, and it's always helpful to kind of show someone else as well and get their feedback so I think that's an important part of my process so would you well. say that for you it's 
really about building the the painting through time as in if something doesn't sit well with you you would add adjustments or would you you start completely over i i don't think i have i'm no i for me it's been so if i start something completely over it's it would be a painting that i'm looking at years after i've made it and i feel and it, you know it hasn't sold it's not hanging up and i'll say you know this painting has had its life and now it's going to have a new life and i'm going to paint over it but no when i'm yeah when i'm working on a series now then i will say it's usually adding um adding marks or changing the movement in the composition because you know when you're working on a painting you're constantly sometimes you're very close to it sometimes you're far back from it and i think it depends like if i've been working a whole night and i'm working on details i won't get that perspective you know of scaling back and let's say it is hanging in a gallery or a coffee shop and i'm and i'm walking into the coffee shop what is it going to look like then like i think that's where my architecture background really play, comes into play where i'm i'm able to put myself in different positions and see how does this painting strike the viewer if they are seeing it from a distance if they're seeing it sitting down and especially like i i do i love having my artwork in coffee shops and there i think a lot about well if a student or not a student but just if if a if a young person or whoever is sitting in the coffee shop and they're reading a book and they glance up at a painting what can they feel in that you know maybe 7 seconds of attention that the painting is going to is going to get and i try to think about that a lot that if you are looking at my paintings where is your eye going to go what is the movement going to be what's the overall ambiance of the painting because you know things don't people don't have long attention spans unless they do right unless you do but most of the time we're just so much in the hustle and bustle of life and so i also try to think about that and as i'm walking by my paintings you know i try to put myself in in different scenarios so i think for me it's more like looking at the painting and seeing is this a harmonic composition is it balanced and do i need to to add something here or something there and i often I because I teach as well I try to ask myself these questions because I know other students will and most of the time I don't I don't want to be bothered by it like I feel like it takes all the romance out of the process for me to have to talk about well why am I putting this mark here and why am I putting that mark there but I've learned over the years that it's so important that I do know why I do why I do these things even if it is super intuitive and I can't articulate it at least I can say that about it that I just felt like it needed this mark here because I feel you know and I think a lot of artists are do that because you develop an eye for it you develop your own sense of harmony i mean what i think is balanced would be exactly. very different than what the next artist thinks and that's actually also why i asked the question because i was thinking it's quite interesting to see that change mm. like if if for example we would capture let's say you came to an end result but then you started this phase of adding adjustments that mm. that that frame of time that would be very interesting to to capture like in a in a video style because it's kind of also showing your yeah. your inner self reflected in those adjustments because like you said your perspective changes or you you're thinking of something of how other people would view it or the yeah. light is different or, so that that's yeah that's really interesting uh, that's so true it's, yeah it could be even like a interesting digital kind of way of representing yeah. art Oh my god subhanallah I I was literally imagining that right now because you know people do ask that question a lot it would be so neat to have 
your yes. artwork up but then also this video playing of those last moments that's i love that idea of where you are just yes. tweaking it and, and people get more insight into your creative process oh that's so wonderful mashallah <laughs> <laughs> Just curious to know, because each individual obviously is inspired by other people, um, mm. but I think as an artist, especially, um, you're inspired by the art of others uh, in your surroundings, maybe yeah. not the same styles or the mm -hmm. same methods. So I'm wondering if there are some artists out there that really inspire you in your work. You know what? I, I feel like these days I... I'm so drawn to so many different forms of art. I like if I see a video of a culinary artist designing and decorating a cake, I am so drawn into it. And I'm in 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 my life I've never cooked. Like subhanallah, anywhere I've traveled, I was I would always end up with groups of people who would know how to cook and I was always the one who would clean and do the dishes. And so it's interesting to me that now that I'm married and have kids, you know, for the first time, I'm very interested in like cooking and baking. And I, it, it is, I mean, it's very uh, luring. Like I can, I, I watch these videos and I've tried it and I cannot do it. And it's just, it, it's amazing to me how beautiful this art is. And I, you know, one of my close friends, she's a baker and she makes these cakes that I, I don't know how to describe. I have to send you a link to other than to say that it's yes. like architecture it's truly like architecture and subhanallah her husband is actually an architect they him and my husband who is also an architect were, were uh, colleagues actually and and i can i can see it in her um in her cake decor like i can see the way she construct her cake constructs her cakes i've been following culinary arts i've been following floral arts floral arrangements i mean i it might sound i don't know how that sounds but i think it's it is gorgeous to me the the way that they choose colors the way that they compose you know these bouquets the way that it's then displayed whether it's hung or whether it's shown in a basket you know i i'm so moved by these different forms of art where people are working on composition and color combinations and i feel like that informs my art a lot like i have a folder that i keep on my phone anytime i see an image that i love the color palette or the color combination or just something about it, I'll save it. And most of my pictures, they come from, it'll be like fashion magazines and uh, color combinations that people are wearing. And it's gonna be pictures of flower arrangements, of, of cakes. It's so interesting. I can't tell you too many painters that I follow. And then there's architects who work in very minimalist designs, whose picture, I'm always taking pictures of their work. And that's interesting to me because my work is not minimal. But there's something about the simplicity of how lines and shapes work in this architecture that I feel informs my work when I'm combining, for example, like Islamic geometry and fluid art or the calligraphy, which has such a specific form, you know, with this organic background that I that I put in my painting. So I'm, I'm really drawn to a lot of different types yes. of arts. The thing is, you made me reflect on my own question because um, I asked about artists, but indeed, mm -hmm. like, it doesn't have to be inspiration from within the art world so next time i'm gonna say what are the things that inspire your work i think it's so much broader yeah. indeed you can get inspiration even yeah. from nature absolutely oh my gosh absolutely from nature and i think that that's you know we we had spoken about this earlier about how art mm -hmm. is a way of life it's a way of thinking it's the way you see things so this confirms that even more that you know you you can see i mean i see beauty in the way that my 
my sister-in-law, you know, she's an amazing cook, mashallah. The way that she composes her food, the way she presents it, there's so much beauty in it. And I'm so, you know, I'm so, I learn so much from it. Like I, I really learn a lot because now you're thinking about, it's a different form of art that, you know, disappears within minutes. You spend sure. all these hours making this delicious meal and then it's served and then it's going to be gone. And so the memory of it, right, that is also that in itself is an art form as well. Like how, how does your art leave its kind of its impact? Is it through taste? Is it visual? Is it something that emotionally you felt connected to? So I love also analyzing that in different forms of art. That's amazing. Very, yeah, very special indeed how you describe that. Because I never thought of um, food also being a kind of a, a, an art form, but then yeah. what is lasting is those moments, those joyful moments with yeah. the people probably that you ate with or Absolutely. The, the, the flavor of the food. Yeah. So we are coming to an end to this episode, and I think it would be nice to share what are the things that will keep you busy during the upcoming months within your art practice with the listeners. Sure, inshallah. So, you know, with Ramadan coming up, I've actually been focusing a lot on just Ramadan arts projects and crafts projects. In the past two years, especially, I've been approached a lot about it. And I, you know, was not in a state because of quarantine to kind of get myself together. But now, alhamdulillah, these days, these past few months, I've been very immersed in teaching and it's opened me up to a lot more uh, you know, a lot more parents and families and what their needs are. So I have been setting up classes online through Zoom, um, setting up classes, alhamdulillah, in my own studio. I teach privately. I teach at my son's school. I do art workshops. But in my in the time when I'm not teaching, um, I've actually been working on providing um, just basically a, a, almost like a booklet of resources for parents inshallah that they can do with their children during ramadan and and even oh, beyond great. yeah and it's something that i've always wanted to do and you know there are so many wonderful resources already there's so many lovely creative individuals who have put out things like that already and i think i do so much with my own kids and uh you know everyone has their own style so i'm still really excited to kind of bring my own perspective and style to it and 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 share that with people and that's something that's going to be free i mean i my goal in everything that I do with teaching is to be very transparent about it, to make it um, easy and accessible so that parents can, inshallah, encourage their kids at home to make art without it being this daunting, scary, you know, anxiety inducing, messy process. Yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, like we, we spoke about, right? Yeah. <laughs> it can be so easy indeed. Yes, yes. And I, and I think I I really want to do the best that I can and I guess just yeah. articulating and formalizing that in such a way that I can you know I can share it easily with with other parents inshallah inshallah will you share this on your Instagram page or where could I we will yes this? absolutely it's going to be on my it's going to be on my Instagram I will have it in highlights and then everything that I do on Instagram I also post it on my website so inshallah um right. yes within the next month you guys will be seeing links and pictures so and videos so that's Nadia G Art uh, yes. As your handle, right? Yes, and Nadia J Art. J Art, and yes. your website is nadiajart.com. Right, awesome. Mm -hmm. Um, if you, as a closure, I think this is also a new thing that I added, and let's see how mm -hmm. how it's working. Um, if you would describe your art journey in three words, what would those be? So I, 
am not a woman of three words. I'm not a woman of three words. But if you can. I... Oh, wait, wait, wait. We can do this nice thing. We can, if you would describe your art journey in colors. Which oh, three colors wow. would you choose? Oh, because I remember so the story. <laughs> yes, that's so how appropriate for me. <laughs> okay, well, oh, I love that so much. Um, immediately, I'm thinking yellow and orange, and then I, I kind of think purple. And I feel like I, I'm someone who I have embraced every opportunity, whether it is something I'm doing for one person or something I'm doing for for an individual who has, you know, a hundred thousand followers, I will embrace every opportunity. And I've, I, I don't say no very often. And I think, you know, as hard as that is at times, I love what I do. And I think that that shows, and it's, I'm very happy to do what I'm doing. So Alhamdulillah, I feel like yellow for me describes that and just, um, yeah, just embracing what I, what uh, I feel, you know, Allah has given me this purpose and I feel like it's it's my goal to embrace it in every way and with every age group and every, you know, ethnic background or religious background. And then I was feeling orange because, well, my my kids love Winnie the Pooh and Tigger, <laughs> this character who's orange, is always bouncing around. And it, it makes me think of like, I've, I've always been very resilient, alhamdulillah. I mean, I, I remember... Um, one of my most active years in, in my art career, I had 67 wow. events that year, which was a mind-blowing number. But I was just, you know, yes, yes, yes to every opportunity. And there would be so many events where I would, as always, I mean, no matter what I'm doing, I just put 200% into what I do. And so many times, you know, you will not get the sales. You will not get the exposure. You don't get anyone coming to your booth. And yet we keep doing it and we keep going on and we keep moving forward and you have to be resilient especially as a creative entrepreneur it's a very subjective field that you're going to find that not everyone will love what you're doing or see you know why you do what you do and you will get those questions like you do this full time and your parents let you do this and you know you get you do get those questions most of the time it's very very positive feedback but you know monetarily as well like you put in a you invest a lot and you do not get it. And it takes, I mean, I've been doing this for so long. And, you know, there are times where I'm still learning that, okay, what I'm what I'm doing and what I'm selling, there's no profit. I'm not paying myself for doing it. So I have learned the hard way as well that you have to value yourself. And I'm still learning it till this day. You have to value yourself and you cannot, you know, underprice or undervalue yourself because you work hard and you deserve this and you've been doing this for a long time so there's a lot of years of experience and knowledge that i've gained just from alhamdulillah you know having done it so resilience i think is so important in this journey because you could either give up or you just you know say bismillah and you start again <laughs> the next day this is also a message to me i feel like this is a uh, very it's helpful for yes. all of us <laughs> <laughs> yeah it, it is i mean i I don't know, like even people who are very close to me are just still surprised that, you know, I'm, I'm still here doing it and I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm not famous. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not like super busy with commissions all the time. I don't make a lot of money. Sometimes things are really great. Sometimes they're not, but you know, we do it for a higher purpose. Exactly. We really do. I mean, Allah accept I mean, it. I mean. it's, it's inshallah. I mean, there'd be reward in it. Um, and then the last thing I was saying is purple because I feel like there's this um, alhamdulillah I have a very strong work ethic that I've gotten from both my parents and just the sense of determination that when I, you know, when I decided to do this and decided to 
pursue art full time, it it took a lot of sacrifice. You know, even till this day, like my parents, alhamdulillah, are so supportive that they've, you know, they were always at my events, whether it was in Malaysia, like mashallah, nice. they they showed up. Yes, and they're they're so sweet and they're so. I have such unique parents. May Allah protect mm-hmm. them and bless them. They're very unique parents in, in that way because they really grew with us. They they had their set ideas, but they changed. And my father especially, I remember being a part of this panel talk and the other there was three other Pakistani men and there was myself. It was a, a conference for Pakistani professionals. And I can't remember the topic exactly, but I know I was on, it was four of us and I was on this panel and my father, who was in the audience, got up and he said to me, he's no, not to me, I felt like he was talking just to me, but he said to the audience that, you know, in Nadia's life, I I would always notice that she loved what she was doing, but then I always thought, oh, she's going to be doing, you know, she's going to be doing medicine or she's going to be doing the architecture. She's going to be pursuing something else besides this. And he basically explained and almost apologized that, you know, there's so much value in understanding what makes your child happy, what she thrives at, because that, and inshallah, the goal is that you, you know, are able to sustain a living from it as well. I mean, that that's the biggest concern that parents have. Of course, they want their child to be happy, but are they going to suffer from the trials of, you know, not making enough money, not having stability in their career? And as a parent myself now, of course, I, I empathize with that. I, I understand that completely. But I think I am an individual and I, a lot of creative people who we cannot do anything but what we are doing. You know, it, it's a, you have to love what you're doing to be a creative entrepreneur because it's so hard. It's so hard. I'm not going to yes. lie about it. You you seek your own opportunities. You really do. Nothing is handed to you, you know, and inshallah, you gain enough exposure and people know you in a good way that people approach you for opportunities. But for a long time, you know, as a business person, you you are seeking your own opportunities Whereas other people who work in corporate jobs or just simple office jobs, it's not like that. You know, you have your insurance, you have your weekly pay, you you have that stability. And as an older person now, an older, younger person now, I'm not that old, but you know, <laughs> I would say that I, I do see a lot of benefit in that stability. I didn't see it when I was younger. You can never convince me to work in an office nine to five. Me neither, I, yeah. The longest I did it. Oh my goodness! The long, I I couldn't. The longest I did it was two years, and I did it for two you know, years. I'm so glad that and it was. Mashallah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not you know. And now I don't. You know, we had spoken about this yesterday. This is part of the being in a society where, you know, being extroverted and that's that's what is celebrated mm-hmm. that you're able to True. come to your job and do the same thing every single day. And I never could do that. Never. And it was so it would hurt my spirit so much and I would feel so down and depressed. And like, I, I don't know, it, it, it took a lot of self-reflection to realize that this is not something against me. It doesn't make me a lesser person mm-hmm. that I can't do a nine to five. It just, it's just not it doesn't you. appeal yeah. to my sensibility. Exactly. It's not for me. Exactly. And I, I like, you know, I think a lot of young people now are seeing the value in that. And inshallah, we will teach our children that it's okay if you're an entrepreneur, it's okay if you have three different professions and if you want to change, these things are okay. I mean, you know, traditionally in, in Renaissance times, doctors were artists. They were they were artists and they were veterinarians and they were uh, they knew everything about law. They knew about mm-hmm. everything, True. right? I mean, it was never it was a very uh, cultured and and you were 
kind of exposed to everything. And now the idea that you major in something in college and then that's what your profession is and that's what you do for the rest of your life, a very obsolete thought. I think that's that's so outdated now. And inshallah, things are really going to continue to change. Inshallah. And encouraging people that, you know, be be holistic in your upbringing, be well-rounded, be exposed to as much as you can and it, it'll it'll make you a better human being. It'll make you it'll make it easier for us to be in this dunya, you know, on a spiritual level, in fact. For sure. I think there's even a, a book about this called The Neo-Generalist, where indeed you have, as an individual nowadays, you kind of know a lot of things of from different mm-hmm. uh, aspects. Yeah. Um, so you, you're not specialized in, in one area or um, really want to delve yeah. into one career mm-hmm. path. So, yeah, I think it's for sure becoming something a lot bigger than yeah. was previously and it's indeed like you said a very very good yeah, thing thank you a lot yeah, Nadia it's such a pleasure uh, it was really eye-opening uh, especially everything that you said around um, how to mm-hmm. simulate creativity among children but also just your journey as a mm-hmm. as a whole is is very beautiful and very thank powerful you. so I'm really glad to have you talk during this episode and and I got I to know, know you also because <laughs> I <feel the> same. <laughs> um, <laughs> we, we just only spoke um, on Instagram yeah. and you were very yeah. open from the get-go like when you heard about the concept also, um, out of outside of this podcast yeah. also just Safira you were very helpful and just very supportive so thank, thank you, you so much well. thank you Jazakallah Fair. it's so honestly and I was joking with you that you know in my house no one really listens to me because <laughs> so it's so nice to, to feel like anything that I'm saying is, is valuable or important but no in all seriousness it's so um it's so valuable and wonderful to be able to share my experience. I didn't have this when I was younger and I especially didn't have female creative role models. So I think it's so important to share and I, inshallah, I hope everything is received well. And I'm, I'm, you know, people who email me know that I'm so happy to share, you know, whatever it is from my experience, Mm -hmm. mentoring, whatever it is, I, I'm, I'm here for it. And I love being transparent about my process because my hope is just to, inspire and instill creativity in others inshallah that's beautiful 